Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Now, this is the first of dozens of Hebrew prophecies written centuries earlier. The, the Old Testament closed 400 years B.C. Most of the Old Testament was written centuries earlier than that. Isaiah was written around 700 years before Christ. And this is the first of dozens of prophecies that Matthew will underline because he's writing to a Jewish audience. He says, this is what your Bible said. This is what the scriptures pointed to. This was to fulfill what Isaiah had said. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue on our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Come to Worship the King. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. We're in Matthew, if you want to turn to Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 2. We're just getting into this great gospel. There are four gospels. I was pointing that out to a, a man this week who uh, was just brand new. He just, uh, he said to me, this is exciting. He, he'd heard me talk about Christ and what Christ means. And, and uh, he said, I'm, I was very glad I was here. And, and anyway, I said, well, uh, I gave him the Gospel of John. I told him there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I gave him John. But I'll tell you, any one of these four tell us about Jesus. And uh, Matthew is uniquely presenting Jesus as the King of the Jews. Uh, and maybe you've had a little bit of background. You say, the King of the Jews, what is that? I'm Gentile, and is, it, is this a religion for Jews? Or what's the deal? And uh, there's a lot of confusion in people's minds. But anyway, the Bible... Uh, Israel plays a big role in the scripture, and Jesus is the king of the Jews, but he's not merely the king of the Jews or the savior, uh, redeemer of Israel. He is indeed the savior of the world. Uh, God's purposes are global. What we, what we learn about God in this book is absolutely relevant for the way you operate in that business deal this afternoon or the issues at home, or with your neighbors, or you name it. So life itself. But Matthew, as I said, is uniquely the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus Christ is the king of the Jews. And we have seen, we looked at the first chapter the last two weeks, and uh, it lays out very easily. In fact, I want to just point it out to you because the Bible isn't a mystery book. Uh, look at verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And we saw that the genealogy is exciting to look at because it fulfills this expectation that for centuries God was going to bring a Savior, but he wouldn't just bring a random person. He would bring the son of Abraham, the son of David. And so Jesus' genealogy for the first 17 verses uh, was clearly spelled out, and it's a royal line. He is the son of David. He is the king. And, uh, and then, verse 18, last week we said, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. And I just say this, the Bible isn't a myth. Christianity isn't a philosophy or a way of looking at things. Christianity is history. God 
coming into history. Jesus had a background, he had a genealogy, and he was born. Now, he was born in a unique way. He was born of a virgin, and uh, we saw that. In fact, just glance at it, verse 23. I'll read verse 22 in connection with it. Now, this all took place that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Isaiah chapter 7, he's quoting, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us, which translated means just that, God with us. Now, this is the first of dozens of Hebrew prophecies written centuries earlier. The, the Old Testament closed 400 years B.C. Most of the Old Testament was written centuries earlier than that. Isaiah was written around 700 years before Christ. And this is the first of dozens of prophecies that Matthew will underline because he's writing to a Jewish audience. He says, this is what your Bible said. This is what the scriptures pointed to. This was to fulfill what Isaiah had said. So we've seen that much. We've seen that his genealogy was indeed human in one sense, and it was divine in another. Verses 18 through 25, Joseph was blown away when he heard that Mary was with child. He thought, I'll just put her away quietly. It was devastated. And the Lord said, no, you don't have to be afraid to take her as your wife. That which had been conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, of the Holy Spirit. And so we saw the supernatural birth of Jesus. And somebody said, uh, if I said I was born of a virgin, would you believe me? To a, to a, a prominent Bible teacher. And he said, no. Well, then why do you believe? He said, I would if you lived, died, and rose again like Jesus of Nazareth. Then I would believe you. And you see, this is an amazing claim, born of a virgin. But Jesus is unique in his birth, in his life, in his... Nobody ever taught like he taught. Nobody ever lived like he lived. Nobody ever died and rose again. And he did. He did. So anyway, we'll get there. I'm just jumping ahead a bit, but let me, uh, let me read the first uh, 12 verses of chapter 2, and I'll just say right now, uh, it's surprising to me that in the Jewish gospel, and this we'll see it all the way through, uh, that there's this Jewish flavor to Matthew, yet this very first scene and uh, all the way through will be surprised this way. It's amazing that the Jewish leaders at his birth, were hostile or indifferent. And it's the Gentiles who worship him. They're the first to worship him. Uh, let me read. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one, was to be born. 
And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it, so it has been written by the prophet. And they quote Micah. Micah was a contemporary of Isaiah, and they're quoting Micah 5, verse 2, when they quote, You, Bethlehem, land of Ju- Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. And when you found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. Well, having heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them, until it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. I read the whole thing because I want I wanted to just let the story unfold. And as I said, I think last week I said, uh, it's good to read this in September uh, because we don't really want all the, the uh, snow and green and red and tinsel and Santa and all the other trappings of the holiday season to get in the way of us seeing this. So I'm telling you, uh, we're not out of season to look at this. Uh, The birth of Jesus is always in season, and I'm glad it's a big celebration, but uh, sometimes the celebration has very little to do with it, as as we all know. But anyway, let me just... uh, walk through it with you. Verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, it seems to me he underlines in juxtaposition here, you know, in contrast, he's talking about the king of the Jews. That's who he's writing about. But he says, (laughs) he mentions right away, Herod, Herod, the king of the Jews. Uh, Herod was a puppet king. Rome, he got his power from Rome, but it was real. He had a lot of power, and he uh, wielded it in an unwieldy, unholy way. But uh, we're talking about the real king. But this other king is, uh, you know, on some sort of a throne, and it was some throne, let me tell you. Behold, Magi from the east, wise men from uh, probably Persia. Iran, Iranians, Persians. By the way, let me just say, uh, they come to worship the Lord. And uh, there are many, many in Iran today who are coming to know Jesus Christ, even though the government is very hostile. And there's, we, know, we hear about it all the time, the issues going on uh, nationally. But God is at work, and we should uh, be thankful for that. Well, anyway, these uh, were wise men. That's what magi means. And uh, notice they sought him. We 
have come. They were seeking him, and they sought him to worship him. We've come to worship him. I, I'm not a real bumper sticker guy, uh, but every now and then I see one that I like, and it's been around now for a long time, and I see it every now and then. Uh, it just simply says, wise men still seek him. And I think I like that. Uh, are you a wise woman, a wise man? Seek him. These guys, these wise men did. They sought him, and they sought him to worship him. Let me ask you, just stop for a second. Have you sought him, or are you doing what many people do? You say, well, Scott, I'm at this, whatever this thing is, downtown, you know. Uh, I'm glad you're here. And I'm saying, don't do what many people do, which is kind of avoid him. <laughs> Skirt around him. Yeah, two things you shouldn't talk about, you know. And uh, if you bring up the name of Jesus, a lot of people just, oh, don't, I don't want to be able to go there. I'm telling you, don't try to avoid him. A wise person seeks him. Well, anyway, they did, and they sought him to worship him. Do you? Do you worship him? I, I meet people just like you do. People come to my door. I meet them in different situations. Cultists, you know, come to my door. And... Uh, I was talking to a couple of them, and they were telling me, which they always do, about their church or their organization. And I said, I want to talk to you about a person, Jesus. And then I said, do you worship him? I do. Well, we like him. <laughs> I said, do you worship him? Well, it depends on what you mean by worship. I find people always squirming on that issue. I think we know what it means to worship. You may have your favorite politician, you know, and the wisdom of the day says vote, be sure and vote. And I say be sure and vote if you vote wisely. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't say that's un-PC, but anyway, I will tell you this. You can admire your politician, but don't worship him. Oh, please, please don't. But I'm telling you to worship a man. <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth, who was born the son of David, the son of Abraham, who was born the son of God. Uh, they came to worship him. And Herod, verse 3, when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. He was what you'd call an influential. <laughs> if Herod was troubled, the whole city was troubled. You know the type. We don't sometimes know the type too much in America because we've been spared that kind of despotism. Whereas if the head guy is mad, everybody's on the lookout. You know, But we understand it. And Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem was troubled with him because when he was troubled, he's a picture, he's a great picture here of the sad, bleak state of a sinner. You bring up a savior to people who need a Savior, and they get troubled. <laughs> Instead of embracing the good news, they'll often be troubled and uh, fearful. And Christ might, uh, why would they be, why, would, why was Herod troubled? Well, Herod's calling himself what? King of the Jews. He doesn't want another king born. He'd lose his sovereignty, his place, his power, everything. And so he's troubled. 
by this. You know, but I say, you say, well, I'm no king and that sort of thing. Yeah, but a lot of people, in fact, I remember back in my mind when I started to think about letting Christ have free reign in my life, I worried I'd lose my vaunted sovereignty, my ability to make my own choices and do my own thing and my freedom. And I was thinking wrong because until you know God through his son, Jesus, you're not free. You're really in bondage. The scripture says we're in bondage to sin. We think we're doing our own thing, and yet it ends up, and we become addicted. We use that term a lot because it's real. So anyway, people uh, are a lot like Herod. He was troubled, and uh, he's a picture, I think. Verse 4, gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. Herod uh, consulted the Bible. Basically, that's how he would do it. He said, what does the Scripture say about this? Get the Scripturians, you know, the, the guys that know that stuff. Uh, and when he needed or when he wanted, he'd, he'd look to the Bible. And uh, so he did. And he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written. And they turned to Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. And they quoted it, and uh, you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, uh, you know, from you will go forth the ruler. Where will this Christos be? You see, the anticipation for Messiah was real. Herod knew. Where's he supposed to be born? Look it up in the Bible. I don't know if he believed it or not, but he knew it. And the general culture knew it. And that's the same today. Um, but he said, look it up. And so they did. They said, well, he's to be born in Bethlehem, and from Bethlehem will go forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. His goings forth in the Hebrew text, this is a translation of it, but in the Hebrew text back in Micah, his goings forth are from long ago. Yes, from days of eternity. This one, this Christ will be born in Bethlehem, but his goings forth are from eternity. And, of course, that's the truth. Um, I'll tell you, I just would stop here and uh, just check the time. I'll, I'll say this much and, and leave it at this. We've got a good shepherd. <laughs> if you know Jesus Christ today, if you found him to be your Christos, the Son of God, your Savior, he, he's a good shepherd. He takes care of his own. He's powerful. He's eternal. But he shepherds. What a picture. I am glad. Because we're like sheep, the Bible says. All of us are like sheep. He didn't say we're like lions. You know, uh, what's your favorite team? The Giants, you know, the Lions, the Tigers. We pick macho names. You ever heard of the Lambs? <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't work. But the Bible says we're like sheep, and we need a shepherd, and we found a shepherd. And his, uh, even in the prophecies about him, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. There's hirelings, and they, uh, when the wolf comes, they skedaddle. But I'm the good shepherd. I'll lay down my life for the sheep. And he did. He did. Well, uh, they told him where he'd come from. By the way, you know, I was thinking about it. 
Don't skirt over this. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you've heard this before. Just stop and let it sink in. And maybe you're not a Christian. Welcome. Glad you're here. And I would just tell you, I, uh, I was born in Emmanuel Hospital. A while back, I don't know, it's been 10 years ago now, they were putting billboards all over town. Uh, were you born at Emmanuel? You know, and my, my wife was born at Emmanuel. I mean, it's common to be born in Portland at Emmanuel. I don't know, it used to be the baby place, you know, uh, back 30 years ago when I was born. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, uh, suppose someone said he'll be born at Emmanuel Hospital. Well, suppose they said that some time ago. But then, see, I didn't. I grew up in southeast Portland, but then I moved to Silverton. I was raised in Silverton, a little town down in the valley. And suppose someone said, he'll be born at Emanuel Hospital, but he will live in Silverton. You go, wow, that's amazing that <laughs> they could say that. And then suppose that they said it 200 years ago. Well, they couldn't have, Scott. Silverton didn't even exist. <laughs> I know. In fact, Emmanuel Hospital didn't exist. But Micah said 700 years earlier, he'll be born in Bethlehem. The Bible said he'll go down to Egypt. And we'll see that in our text. I'm getting ahead of myself, really. Uh, he'll be raised in Nazareth. He will come into town on a donkey. He will be strung up on a cross and the crucifixion is vividly described by David in Psalm 22, 1,000 years B.C., before they'd even invented crucifixion. I mean, the prophecies of the Scripture, I just tell you, if you're a skeptic, like most of us were, or maybe you are, uh, don't be a foolish skeptic. Stop and think about these things. The Bible uh, proves itself to be the Word of God regularly. Well, Herod, verse 7, secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. And when you found him, report to me uh, that I too may come and worship him. He is a hypocrite, a wretched hypocrite. But he knew that the issue was worship. And uh, I know, I know that you know that the issue is worship. I know that everybody that walks down the sidewalk out there, I know everybody over here on Broadway, I know everybody in this downtown core knows the issue is worship. Romans 1 says, we know that we ought to honor God, but we don't want to. We ought to worship Him, but we don't want to. And so Herod knew the issue, and he said, I'd like to worship Him. We know what he'd like to do. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Come to Worship the King, a message from our study of the Gospel of Matthew. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to AbideInTheWord.us. 
A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. If you don't have a church home in the area, we'd like to invite you to join us in our outdoor summer services. Coming this August 20th, join us for our Kids Carnival. We'll fill the field with booths and games and other outdoor fun all designed for your kids' enjoyment. The event begins at 4.30 p.m., followed by our outdoor evening service at 6. For more information about the Kids Carnival, go to our website at swbible.org. Or you can call the church at 503-524-7000. We hope to see you there. Abide in the Word only remains on the air through the generous contributions of listeners like you. We'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us on a regular basis to help us meet our daily expenses. To make a contribution, just go online to abideintheword.us or mail us at Abide in the Word, P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Now he arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Joseph obeyed. What did he obey? Well, God's word on this. Look at verse 13 again. Arise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. And he did. And stay there, how long? Until I tell you. I, I just want to pause here because for me, that's one of the harder commands to follow to wait for direction from the Lord. And I will tell you that much of the scripture pictures for us people waiting on the Lord. Even in our whole lifetime, we don't always see it, but we wait. Join us again next time as we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott will bring a message titled, The Protection of the King. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.